Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is TalkSport Daily. Hello and welcome to another episode of the TalkSport Daily podcast, which if you ask me is one of my favourite podcasts out there. It really is up there with the best of them. Anyway, enough about me. In fact, no, not enough about me actually. You can hear more of me in my favourite show on TalkSport, which is Andy Goldstein's Sports Bar from 10pm weeknights. I know, move on. Move on to the good stuff, I know. And there is lots of good stuff in this podcast. And we begin with Alan Brazil. He was on The Breakfast Show with Ian Holloway. This is them two just talking about stuff. Uh, now, Adrian Durham, we gave him a bit of stick the other day, didn't we? But, look... He was going uh, mental yesterday. Was he? Oh, yeah, he was grinding his gears and everything. Good Why? Gracious. Why? Well, just things annoy him, don't they? And he's... He, he don't like VAR, and he said that there's an accident waiting to happen, and... Well, he explained wow. on Drive yesterday why Jordan Henderson is a better captain than Stephen Gerrard. What? Yeah. No. Three or four of the best players in the world right now at Liverpool... In Allison, in Mane, in Salah, in Van Dyke, and they all look up to Jordan Henderson. He commands their respect. Now he may not be one of the best players in the world, but in terms of leadership, he commands that respect among a team of superstars. With the greatest of respects, Steven Gerrard wasn't ever leading that level of player. He was leading players who were beneath him. So I think it's really important to establish just what a brilliant leader Jordan Henderson mm. is. Has he got a problem? Has <laughs> as he got a problem? I asked the team. They're all nodding their heads. What what brings him to come out with some rubbish like that? Uh, he likes to throw a spanner in the works, I think. Good old eight, you know. And and it's it's unbelievable listening. And, you know, it gets you gets your blood boiling, doesn't it? Because you want to come back and you want to say something to well, him. I'm, so. not, I'm not, by the way, I'm not going to go at, I'm not going to go at Jordan. Absolutely. Right. I think Kenny yeah. bought Jordan, didn't he? Yeah. I'm yeah. not going to go at him, but Gerard was one of the special Liverpool players, wasn't he? Yeah, I think so. And he was a leader, wasn't he? Oh, totally. Absolutely. You know, and... So and what, is, what is that Muppet on about? No, well, he also played with Mascarano and um, Alonso, didn't he, as well? So, I mean, they're world-class, them two, so... God. Anyway, every nobody's opinion's wrong, Al. You know, that's the beautiful thing about football. We all got one. Anybody, down the pub, wherever you are. No, and, and we're entitled to our opinion. And that's what I love about the game because 
Just because we've done it and played it doesn't make us right all the time because everybody's allowed their opinion. I agree that, but Goffey's done both shoulders, falling off chairs with Dunham working with him. He just falls off his chair. He can't believe what he comes out. (laughs) Freddie Flintoff joins us from a sunny, sunnier climate. Freddie, good morning. Morning, Fred. Morning, Al. How are you? Morning, Andrew. You're out in Dubai, aren't you? Tell me how warm it is. Is it beautiful? I, t- I tell you what, Al, it's 42 degrees. I'm oh. getting fleeced on the exchange rate and my head is redder than yours. I would sooner be in London <laughs> stood in the rain. <laughs> With a paint you had. Oh, I forgot you've given that up. What about- I tell you what, water's more expensive than beer here. It's better <laughs> to drink. Look, he's a top player. Don't get me wrong, maybe the number one in the world at the moment. Smith, how would you go about getting him out? <laughs> I don't know, to be honest. Without hitting him um, with a bat, I- mate, I know what you're like. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know... Food poisoning, um, <laughs> but the, the one thing about Smith is he's a fine player. Archer looks like he's going to play in this test match, so we've, we've got some pace. We've got some pace. I think we've got to try and ruffle him, upset him, try and take him outside of that bubble. I know cricket now is it's a bit nicer, but I think we've got to be aggressive at him. If you just let him back, you see what he does. Um, we've got to try something. New. Be aggressive. The big loss for me was Jim Anderson in that first test match. I know he's got a different technique, but everyone struggles against a swinging ball. That's out of the equation. So I think our only hope in this one is pace and arch. And it's a lot to put on the young lad's shoulders, but he's going to have to go him, I think. Uh, Andrew, just tell Al, when it's raining at Lords, isn't it this? Isn't Lords the best place in the world for it to be raining? Because the menu oh. at Lords is fantastic, isn't it? I know you've gone sort of a bit like Ian Holloway in the gym and lost a few, lost a few stone, but it's no, 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 there's no I better place, is it? Holloway in the gym, I don't want to picture that in my head. So <laughs> hey, <you laughs> wait, hey, don't you start, big man? <laughs> hey, don't you start? I'm getting ridiculed here on fifty-six. He's bench pressing thirty-eight kilos now. <laughs> is he really? Is he throwing cap in the gym? <laughs> <laughs> Just because you're sponsored by Giacomo, you. (laughs) I'm Adrian Durham, and this is TalkSport Daily. Following, of course, Alan and Ian from 10... It's Natalie and Jim, or should I say Jim and Natalie, or should I say White and Sawyer, which sounds like some kind of coffee mixture, which sounds like some kind of coffee shop. You know, you can have like a white coffee or you could have a coffee with soya beans. Do they do soy? doesn't matter. On their show was Trevor Sinclair, of course, scorer of many a goal, including, I think I might say, one of the goals of the season when he slipped and both his legs went up in the air and he made contact with the football and it went in. Lucky goal. Trevor, what's in your mind this morning? What are you thinking this morning? Well, I mean, it's to do with what, what I've been doing the last couple of years. Um, and it's the duty of care from football clubs um, for players they release. But not only that, for players that they're developing. Um, and I think there's a there's a big problem. Um, obviously, it's a hot topic, mental health. Yes. I feel players that might have been at academies for six, seven years, dreaming of be, becoming a footballer, get to 16, don't get offered that scholarship. And they're just tossed away. No duty of care. Not, you know, pointing them in the right direction, mm. giving them that little bit of advice. Hopefully having an affiliation with a non-league club or a, a different programme where they could go and continue that football. Because as we all know, there's a lot of late developers in the game. But not only that, 
it's the way we're developing players now. Obviously, if you look at the top end, there's a lot of good footballers coming through in the England team. Um, I think the EPPP does work and and it's it's producing very good footballers. But for the lads that go on and play under-21s, under-23 football for year after year after year, I don't think it's serving them well. I don't think that they're getting the development that they need. Um, they need to be playing open open age football, men's football. They need to be playing in front of a, um, fans who are passionate about that football club where they've yeah, gone. Yeah. Uh, they need to get different facilities, get used to crappy grounds. Um, with fans there, with managers desperate for three points. And I just don't think the under-23 football league is reproducing that. It's played um, very... Um, Safely, I, I I just don't. I've been to a few games. It doesn't excite me. Everyone, everyone's fair. Everyone's yeah. safe. Does it not have ball. a competitive edge then? It's not. It hasn't, Natalie. It's not good enough. And and these some of these players, are, you know, I, I don't like to talk about money, but they're on big money. They've not got any experience. And as soon as they get into an environment where you know there's fans that you know a couple of thousand fans there and players are going in for ta- tackles and. They, they haven't got a clue how mm. to handle it and sometimes this is like when they get to about 22, 23 it's too late for me it's mm. too late and now I, I always look back at my own career for examples and I was fortunate I got into the Blackpool first team when I was 16 um, which was a great experience but I'd be put in and then I'd be brought out for a little rest I might have been struggling going into the Pontins League which was a, a non-league um, situation with with um, players that were in the Blackpool team but couldn't get in the side so you'd play with them, they might be 30-year-old coming back from injury, um, and you'd play in the Pontins League. It mixed it up for you. Yeah, yeah. And, but it's yeah. still great experiences. I think that development is essential for young players, and they don't seem to be getting it. And actually, I spoke to a few managers of academies and, and, and um, at pro clubs, and they're saying that they're speaking to the players and asking them, do you want to go on loan to a non-league club? The players are saying no. Now, for me, if I was one in that position and I was their manager, I'd be begging them to go. Yeah. Uh, you need it. What was the reason for not going out on loan? Because you always comfort. you always assume the that they want zone, to play Natalie. first team football. They're in the comfort zone, Natalie. Right. You know they've got beautiful plush surroundings. Um, they're training with good footballers. It's all nice and you know um, civil. Mm. This is not football. Football can be very harsh, and unless the sooner you get used to that, the better, and it will serve you well going forward in your career. So that is my biggest gripe at the moment in football. It's a development. The duty of care yeah. and the lack of uh, experiences that young players are getting. And, and all of a sudden, they can't make it into the first team. They get released, 22, 23. They've still not kicked the ball. They've got no experience of playing first team football. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. 
Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. And following on from Natalie and Jim, sorry, Jim and Natalie, I mean White and Sawyer, was H and J, but there was no H, and the H stands for Hawksby. Instead, it was a G and J, Goldstein and Jacobs. Anyway, we had some great guests on the show, none more so than a real-life doctor who came on to tell us about a study in which she found that watching football was good for your health. Now, I could have saved her a lot of time and money if she'd just phoned me up and asked. We looked at blood pressure, we looked at heart rate, we also interviewed the fans, and we also did a, a, an emotion, sports emotion questionnaire. And in a nutshell, what we found was that um, heart rate did elevate, it particularly elevated after a goal had been scored. Um, but ultimately, what we found was that it was really dependent on whether your team um, finished up with a win or finished up with a loss. If you finished up with um, a win, then um, your blood pressure actually dipped a little bit. So ultimately, that you know there was positivity around that. Um, If you lost, your blood pressure was slightly elevated. But ultimately, the heart rate that you experience, despite fans saying things like, "Oh, you know, I've nearly died watching uh, Sheffield (laughs) Wednesday," or the stress of it, you know, I don't think I can cope with much more. The reality is your heart rate doesn't go up much more, really, than if you're on a brisk walk. Okay. And let's face it, if it did, we'd all be in the stands panting and, mm. you know, leaning over and, uh, yeah, and struggling. True. And did you find a difference between people watching their own team and people watching, say, an exciting neutral game? Say, for example, last year, uh, Tottenham and Man City, I had no skin in the game, but I, I went mad at the end of the game and got very excited. So I just wondered if there's a difference in, in that. Well, we didn't actually look at that because what we actually did was we just looked at Leeds United and we watched the last game, which was their game against Brentford, which unfortunately for them, Sheffield United had just won. So that meant ultimately they were in the playoffs. So as a result of that, going into the game, the fans knew that you know they weren't going to get automatic uh, promotion, so they were a bit deflated. The next two matches that we looked at were were playoff games, so obviously tensions were high. That was Leeds versus, um, this is back in May, that was Leeds versus um, Derby, the oh, first yeah. leg of which, of course, Leeds won 1-0. So after that, there was, you know, dip in blood pressure. Um, the, yes, there was elevation in heart rate when Leeds scored, and the mood was excitement and expectation. Okay. Unfortunately for Leeds, the next match was um, quite dramatic. Lots of goals. Leeds finished up not being promoted. Derby went forward to the to the playoff final, and there we saw um, elevations in heart rate, elevations in in um, blood pressure. Again, not to dangerous levels, but what we did see, which was quite significant, was the mood mm. and. The, you know, the devoted fans, and they were all, you know, long-term or, or com- really committed to Leeds, were, they were depressed, they were, they were angry, they were disappointed. And for some of them, 
that lasted for weeks. Whereas when the team won, the excitement only lasted for a few days. So mood-wise, it, it can be have a very detrimental effect on, on the fans. Are they but, your team? Um, Are you a Leeds fan, Doc? I'm not. I'm a Blade. Sheffield mm, okay. United. Up oh, the Blades. Yeah, oh, yeah, so right. did you did you compare your um, blood pressure <laughs> levels to the Leeds fans then? I didn't. No, I didn't. I was too busy uh, checking that everything was going on okay with the study. But uh, And also, it was a bit uncomfortable for me because, of course... Um, we just won against Brentford, and so all the people arrived to take part in the study. So I kind of kept a bit under the radar. You know, I didn't take, I didn't wear my Sheffield United shirt for that one. And straight after H and J, obviously, it's drive time with Darren Goff and Adrian Durham. This is them talking about stuff on their show. And yes, I did recall this link before that happened. Uh, we are going to do our top five. Premier League era central midfielders, not number tens, not wingers, centre mids. Number three, I've gone Yaya Toure. Um, I think he's underrated. I think the because of the cake and all that sort of stuff. I think there's a, a lot of negativity towards him. But you're talking about the man who led Manchester City from the kind of mediocrity, if you like, uh, to that you know era making, era defining side that was winning titles. He was instrumental to that. I don't actually think he gets the credit he deserves. My number three is Yaya Toure. My number three is Steven Gerrard. Oh. Absolute game changer. Um he never won the Premier League, uh, but they could could blame the team around him. Uh but he's an inspirational uh leader, a hero to the fans. In big games he turned up and he could change a game in five Five minutes. Absolutely genius footballer. Um, so, but he's my number three. Number two. Number two is Lampard. Oh! <laughs> How can you not have someone who's the club's leading goal scorer from midfield? 211 goals. Absolute genius. Loads of trophies and success at the football club as well. Legend to the fans, Super Frankie Lampard is now back as manager of Chelsea. That's how much they think of him. He gets a lot of criticism when he was a footballer, and I'm expecting him to get a lot of criticism as a manager. But I'll tell you what, he'll do a good job in all parts. Um, doesn't make my top five, I'm afraid, Frank Lampard. From midfield, the goal, 211 <laughs> goals. Yeah, I know, it's a lot. From yeah. midfield. It just shows that uh, defensively he wasn't <laughs> the greatest. He didn't have to be. <laughs> <laughs> Messi defensively is not great. Uh, my number two is Steven Gerrard. Um, just edging out Jordan Henderson there. Uh, I, I, listen, I just think he's, he's all-round ability uh, and... Ultimately, leadership. You know, there was there was so much to admire. You just loved watching him play. It didn't always work out for him, uh, but you know, a hundred percent effort every single time, and top that with the quality he had as well. I think he has to be in the uh, top five of pretty much everybody. So let's do the big one. Number one. Here we go. Roy Keane. Roy Keane. Absolutely. Um, and I'm not. Listen, I'm not a Manchester United fan at all, but I could n- do nothing but admire him on the football pitch used to see him he wasn't in there to make friends with anybody whether it be in his own team whether it would be in the opposition when you knew you were going out on the pitch just before you walked out and you were stood next to Roy Keane he'd blank you he'd bothered who was stood at the side of him he went out there delivered on the pitch everybody respected him to say he hated everyone everybody totally respected him as a footballer whether it be tackling at times or TT Right, 
the desire to win. He raised the standards at Manchester United. And well, as you said earlier, when Sir Alex has you as his captain, his inspiration, there's a reason for it. Um, it's it's very predictable who my uh, number one is. Can you guess? Yeah. That's Michael Carrick, of course. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> and here's the reason. You look at all the Premier League titles, and in fact, he, he won the lot. Absolutely won the lot, including the Champions League. Even won the FA Youth Cup as a player. And I think the successive England managers ignored a player Sir Alex Ferguson regularly picked in his midfield. Now, here's the key to this. We will never know if this is true, but my belief is with the players that we had, England I'm talking about, if Michael Carrick had been in that midfield allowing Scholes, Gerard, Lampard to flourish elsewhere on the pitch, I honestly believe we would certainly have been European champions I believe we may well have gone on to win the World Cup. We'll never know. Nobody could say you're wrong. You can't. It's a hypothetical. I believe we would have been a much better team. We would have had a much better chance of winning uh, the World Cup. But we'll never know. And that's the sad thing. And had we won the World Cup, and had he been the main man who had allowed England to win the World Cup in that midfield, then he would be everybody's number one. Jay, Liverpool fan, what do you want to say? Hello, are you all right? Um, so, number three is what goes to Fabregas. He's up there with Iniesta levels of superb. He was magical. Number two has got to be Lampard. I just got he said again. Goal record speaks for itself as a central midfielder. And number one's got to be Gerard. He had everything. Pass, tackle, free kick. There's nothing he could not do. Best midfielder league's ever seen and possibly the world's ever seen. And one more thing, Roy Keane, he's just a rich man's league cat among me. He had nothing but a hard tackle in him. Give over. Nothing but a tackle. Bully, flat track bully, mate. Amazing. Uh, a, a rich man's league cat among. That is the description of Roy Keane. I'm Jim White, and this is Talksport Daily. And to round things off, of course. It was Super Cup final day. I mean, it's hardly a cup final, is it? I mean, it's not a competition to... Well, it is a competition to get there, but it's not the competition... Anyway, you understand. It doesn't matter. Liverpool will play in Chelsea. Here's some of the calls to the sports bar, the Andy Goldstein sports bar, that, of course, a show that begins Monday to Friday from 10pm. Uh, let's go to Robert, who's a Chelsea fan. I was five years old when we won the title in 1955. All right? Well. Love the club. Jay, remember seeing you on your debut... I he can't do against, refunds. <laughs> I think it was against QPR, is that right? It Dave? was QPR, you're right, yeah. you're right. So what, La- so what do you want to say there, Rob? I mean, yeah. so you've been a fan a long time, so you've seen you've seen plenty of lows, you know, back in right. the 70s and the 80s. Yeah, you've and seen plenty of lows. lots of highs, right? Yeah. Now listen, we lost 4-0 against United at the weekend. We conceded two more tonight. We conceded another five in the penalty shootout. That's 11 goals. You can't count goals. that, Rob. Right? You can't no, put listen. that in the goals against. You can't listen, do that, Rob. Right? It's 11 goals with no, penalties. It's, no, it's not. I'm telling you now, that job is too big for Frank. Let's go and get Jose. He's available. Rob, do I mean, you know what? I'm, 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 Robert, honestly, mate, I, I know you've seen Chelsea through the dark days, but come on, mate. Come Listen, on. Why I'd... would you go back to Jose a third time? This Jay, is a new era. What, the, I think Chelsea, over the last two games, has shown this is a, a period of transition. It's a manager that's come in. He's, he's prepared to give young players the opportunity. And Chelsea are going to go with this. It's no, going to be a bumpy Jay, ride. Jay, but you're after... better. 
the fella, let's not forget, he failed at Derby. His job was to get Derby up, and he didn't get him up. I mean, it's harsh to say he's failed. Rob, but you know I agree with Rob. I think in the long term, it's going to be too... Jerry, listen. It's Perry. Rob, it's Perry. Rob, I think uh, it's going to be too much for me in the long term because I don't think he's got the experience and the skill set and he's come across uh, things that he's never uh, had to deal with before, OK? But tonight, you have to give him a bit of credit because he did change the personnel. People, Jason thought last night he might stay with, a, with Mal. Why? Why did did he I thought he'd go with Mal. I, I expected him to start with Giroud. Well, he put Giroud up front. He put Kante back what? in. He left listen, Barkley why out. Why did he change it, Jerry? Why did he change it? It's Perry. Because after 65 <laughs> minutes against Manchester United, everyone tells me we were amazing. So why has he changed it? Well, he because changed it because Chelsea had got a game on Saturday. Liverpool had two extra days of rest. You can't keep going the beginning of the season. You've got to freshen up. And I think he's been vindicated with his, with his, his choice. So if you're going to have the, uh, you've got to have the stadiums with all the camera angles so they can yes, make have it, a proper yeah. look at it and make a proper decision. You, yeah. you can't have a, you know, the, the Super Cup final and, and they've only got two camera angles. Mm. And the two camera angles that they had were from the side, the left-hand side. So you're looking from behind the goalkeeper to the other, and it looked all day long. And that's what you've seen tonight, buddy. Have a look. And honestly, you'd come online and you'll come back on the radio and say, I'm actually to have a look at it. Mm. He didn't actually touch him. So, I, I think Adrian right. yeah. said that he did, though, didn't he, in his interview? Um, I think he said well, he did. There's, there's, there's contact, but there's not in, there's, there's not enough. Anyway, I've got, uh, got someone I've got to read out here. Um, it was it was Goldstein that called up, was it? Oh, was that the 11 goals? Yeah, about the 11 goals, yeah. <laughs> 11 goals, isn't it? Is that the 11 goals, yeah. Apparently it was Goldstein, yeah. What a... Do you know what? What, a, what an absolute... By the way, just let it go. Yeah, that's fine, yeah. No, no, let it go, Anne. You're yeah. on tomorrow night. Yeah, you're right, you're it's, got, it's got to be centre attention. Exactly, yeah. Hey? That's it for another TalkSport Daily. I have to say, I don't know about you, but I have to say it's one of my favourite podcasts I've ever done today. Anyway, I will be back at the normal time and place where you can hear me on TalkSport, and that's weeknights from 10pm, and other people will be back at their normal times. And remember to hit subscribe, so when you do that, you don't have to do anything else, because you wake up in the morning, and it's there waiting for you, every single day, apart from Saturday and Sunday, but five days a week. It's the easiest thing in the world to do, there's no excuse Just stop being lazy and press subscribe. Thank you. That was a podcast from TalkSport.